Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. It's Monday, December 13th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Cleanup will take several days at an Amazon warehouse in Edwardsville leveled by a Friday night tornado. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker will be in the area today and says he has already spoken with President Biden. To make sure that federal officials are coordinating with our Illinois Emergency Management Agency, the president offered to assist with whatever we may need to recover. That storm was part of a system that also spawned a deadly tornado Friday night in St. Charles County. First responders, workers, and family members are dealing with the aftermath of that storm which struck the Amazon warehouse. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports six people are confirmed dead. The EF3 tornado hit the warehouse Friday night, causing a 150-yard section of the building to collapse. 45 people were rescued and one was hospitalized with serious injuries. Edwardsville Fire Chief James Whiteford says they don't know how many Amazon employees are unaccounted for. There was a shift change going on, that's my understanding. Uh, They have vans that come in and they drop off the vans and then people get in their cars and leave. So as the shift change was going on, the number of people in the building was varying. No one from Amazon attended a news conference on Saturday and the company has not responded to requests for information from St. Louis Public Radio. Whiteford says recovery efforts will continue during daylight hours. In Edwardsville, I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. A tornado from that same system hit the St. Charles County town of Defiance. 25 homes were severely damaged, some leveled, and one woman died. Governor Mike Parson toured the area and says sirens and cell phone warnings help keep it from being much worse. I think one of the the good side of it, though, I think in today's times, people have a lot better way of having warning devices, being able to try to figure out when to take shelter, when not to, and I think we've seen that. Parson says the state and federal government will provide assistance to the communities for cleanup efforts. In other news, large farms increased their dominance over the past decade. That is one of the conclusions in a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. USDA economist Christine Witt says the percentage of farms that are small and family-owned is unchanged in the latest America's Diverse Family Farms report. So in 2020, most U.S. farms are small family farms, and they operate almost half of U.S. farmland and account for 20 percent of production. While the number of small farms is the same, the percentage of total U.S. farmland and farm production went down since 2011. In addition, the percentage of small farms that are taking on a high financial risk went up, while large farms saw their risk levels go down. In another sign of an emerging cannabis industry in Missouri, a multi-state company is opening a processing facility this week in St. Louis and partnering on a cultivation site in O'Fallon. Michigan-based C3 Industries says the 15,000-square-foot operation in St. Louis will focus on cannabis concentrates, vaping cartridges, and edibles that get shipped to marijuana dispensaries. CEO Ancor Rungta says the company's expansion into Missouri is a sign of a burgeoning cannabis industry in the state. I think Missouri is rather competitive, uh, if you put it on the spectrum. Um, as a, a medical market, it's not a massive market in terms of size. I think uh, 
the most recent month, I believe in November, there were $25 million of sales across the state. The state reports more than $186 million in medical cannabis sales since the first dispensary opened in October 2020. It's becoming more difficult to get tax dollars to fix agricultural schools at public universities, and even harder to find public money to build new facilities. But the farming industry is stepping in. Harvest Public Media's Katie Pikus reports with Seth Bodine on the growing ties between agribusiness and college campuses. The heavy hum of construction equipment reflects millions spent to build a feed mill tower in Ames, Iowa. The project promises a working feed mill and ways to use that in both research and training. It'll crank out about 20,000 tons of feed a year, and it costs $24 million to build. But Iowa State University and taxpayers aren't paying a dime. Private donors are picking up the tab, notably agribusinesses. Charles Herberg is an Iowa State University agricultural engineering professor. He says the facility will run like a business and hopefully draw more students to milling. And that's one of the target areas that we want to meet, is to be able to help those people get onboarded into companies and, 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 and even existing staff of companies bringing them up to speed with new technologies. This privately funded facility fits with a trend. Ag schools at public universities increasingly pull in money from industry and other private sources as legislatures grow less willing to chip in tax dollars. The practice builds stronger relationships with the farm-related industries where many of the school's graduates will want to work. But critics worry those ties could turn work at universities that puts industry needs above a broader public interest. Emma Schmidt is with Food and Water Watch. And just in general, agribusiness as it stands right now is... You know, it's not about the small farmer. It's not about rural communities across Iowa. It's about Wall Street. It's about making a profit. State tax dollars to Iowa State decreased 19 percent in the last dozen years. Funding from agribusinesses makes big projects like the feed mill possible. Ray Klein is the director of the Office of Partnerships for the Ag College. I consider it critical, and I consider it in some ways a a reinforcement of the the relationship relationships that we have in place with all of our industry partners. For other states like Oklahoma, where funding has been cut more than 30 percent between 2008 and 2018, money from private donors is a necessity. Michael Leachman is with the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. He tracks trends in state policy. Even going into the pandemic, funding still remained well below recession, pre-Great Recession levels in most states. And in many states, the funding cuts were severe. Agriculture departments across 97 universities have an $11.5 billion backlog in repairs. And many researchers are stuck with older, crumbling labs. Peter Reeves collected data for the study. He says that money has gone toward new buildings over investing in old ones. And so then what we ultimately are left with is this situation where, you know, we have aging out infrastructure. Um, that has been underinvested in for years, and the cost of waiting is starting to catch up with these campuses. Some researchers at Oklahoma State University work in outdated buildings that haven't been upgraded, and that affects their research. Plant and soil sciences professor Brett Carver spends his time breeding wheat inside greenhouses that were built in the 1950s. He says it's like... We're trying to race or perform in an Indy 500 in 2021 with a car that would have been manufactured in the 50s. 
we can do things. We can soup up that car to, to maybe try to keep up, but we're going to eventually you know, pay the price for that. And they did pay the price. When a winter storm hit, the greenhouses got too cold. Carver says that could put him up to a year behind on his research. University officials say Carver's greenhouses are on the list of funding priorities. They're soliciting private and corporate sponsors to raise roughly $15 million to build new ones. And for Iowa State's feed mill, the Ag College plans to seek out state, federal, and private funds for research. Wherever universities get their funds, Trenshaw will continue to look for money from agribusiness. Katie Pikus, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media covers agricultural and rural issues in the Midwest. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.